At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, Blenders. It's Sean, and I'm here to introduce another bonus episode of the Real Blend podcast, where we interview director Reed Carolyn, uh, co-director of the new film Dog, where he actually collaborates with his leading man, Channing Tatum. It was great to get him to uh, talk about their collaborative process discuss uh, the ways that COVID sort of shut down their shoot. Uh, it's been interesting as some of these movies have been reaching theaters for us to get a chance to really sit down and break down with filmmakers how they had to sort of pivot uh, when COVID hit their sets and, and how they had to adjust and figure out on the fly how to shoot certain things. And Reed has a number of really interesting stories about how they adapted to that. Uh, also, one of the questions that we uh, that I enjoyed that we got into with him was just the title of the film uh, and how you take a movie uh, called Dog and where the idea of Dog came from uh, and make it marketable uh, out there for people because uh, it's tough when you have such a, a one word title that is, you know, so generic, uh, but still have it sort of stand out in the marketplace uh, and strike a chord with an audience. So we were uh, really thrilled to have Reed join the show. And I think you guys are going to really enjoy this bonus episode uh, of Real Blend. So without further ado, we hand it over to Reed Carolyn, the co-director of the new film Dog. <laughs> I have to start here. Um because I love the title. It tells you exactly what you're going to get out of the movie. But I need to know what kind of conversations go on behind the scenes, like maybe with the marketing department uh, of just like, hey, it's going to be tough to differentiate what we're, you know, our title from other movies. You know, it's so funny. Uh, the title was something when Channing and I were developing this movie, he would just call it dog. He'd be like, oh, dog, dog. It's like it's like the thing that we'll sort of rename later. And then. And then as we were writing it, um, you know, I'm going to get kind of writery right now, but, but what I realized is, is because uh, Jackson Briggs, the main character really didn't want to take this dog on the road and was not a dog guy. You know, this dog had, had bitten him before on, on some of his missions is like the last thing he wanted. He called the dog dog. He would just, he didn't want to call her by her first name. He didn't really care. It was sort of, it was sort of, you know, to him, just a way of just being like, yeah, you're just a dog. And we realized as we started weaving that into the script, 
that there was something really kind of layered and interesting about it, um, given where the, the story goes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and it was also a way for Chan to not call, call the dog the name of his actual mm-hmm. dog who sort of inspired <laughs> the movie um, until a certain point. And so because at that point it, it was it, 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 it was like an emotional part of the movie. And so you want to kind of call her by her real name. And we didn't want Chan calling her by that name throughout the film. So dog kind of came from that, that more uh, actually like a, a story driven place. And later on we realized, Oh yeah, I think that's the title. That is actually the title of the movie. Are we okay with that? Calling it just dog. Like it seems like yeah. something that marketing executives would come up, but weirdly like the marketing executives were the ones who would go, uh, should we think about like a different title or anything? And we're like, no, this one's actually kind of, kind of sticking for us. So, yeah, that's great. I love that. It's story driven. That's fantastic. Yeah. The original title was the power of the dog. They just, they just couldn't, they couldn't, they couldn't use that. They weren't allowed to use that. Um, you know, read. I also, the other thing, by the way, is like movies like this. Oftentimes those it'll be like Turner and Hooch. We didn't want to be the next like Briggs and Lulu, you know, Marley <laughs> and me. It's like, it's yeah. that sort of felt a little pastiche i'll tell you as someone who runs a website though for google ugh, it's not easy <laughs> i know i know dog movie i, I, I search I dog love movie the see what comes up <laughs> yeah when you watch the film though the title makes perfect sense because they yeah. both kind of are dog in in, 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 a, in, a, in a way um uh, you know one thing one thing i love about this film obviously newton thomas siegel is one of the greatest dps of all time um and i couldn't help but notice i want to talk to you about working with him specifically because it's shot incredibly beautifully well like the lighting everything about it um but there was a lineup shot that brought me back to usual suspects obviously and Channing is <laughs> Channing is in in this lineup with these guys and you got to you got to think about Newton Thomas Siegel shooting that original film uh Usual Suspects years ago so talk about that moment was that kind of a cool little moment to have on set and then also just your relationship with that DP and kind of what that meant to you Man, I'm I'm so kind of glad you brought that up. Uh, that scene was set somewhere else, and we got to this location, and Tom and Chan and I walked in there and went, "E Tom, we we're like, would you do a lineup scene?" <laughs> he was like, "I will gladly do another." I know exactly how to do it. We're like, let's set the whole thing in the lineup room because we all, I mean, that shot, that sequence to us is kind of like hallowed ground. And I was honestly, uh, you know, honored, but also surprised that Tom, you know, trusted us to to come and do this this film with us. I mean, he could pretty much do anything he wants. Yeah. He's insanely talented. We learned so much from him every single day about how to stage a shot. Um, so a lot of it, you know, in the collaboration was just learning from Tom. Um, you know, I, I think the way the movie is lit, it feels far more expensive than it actually is. Um, and it's just not something you can do every day without a DP like that. So he's the man. It's insanely cinematic. Like the lighting, these like it just the shots are absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous shots. Like, isn't that, isn't it like a the oneer in the beginning when he's on the phone and he's like going out to the truck and he's like holding the the phone there and like, I, I I they were just such an immersive shots that brought you into that that moment in such a way. So yeah, Tom, uh, when he came on, one of the things that we said was, you know, like movies like this are basically um, mostly they go to streaming now, you know, they, 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 you know, going to see something like this in the big screen is a harder and harder proposition. And uh, we just said, look, we're going on the road. We have Chan, we have a dog. Let's put some great old anamorphic lenses on this. Let's go get like a great Panavision kit and kind of like make this something that feels like at least 
at least you got to give it a shot on the big screen. Yeah. And I think if, if we didn't have Tom, I honestly don't know. Like, I really don't know if we didn't have somebody like that. If you look at these images and go, I'm going to go to the movie theater. Or I'm going to you know, wait to see it at mm. home. I think there's that. You got to add those extra little elements wherever you can. Well, Reed, we were having a conversation with, um, not the name drop, uh, Chad Stahelski was talking to us about John Wick when he was directing John Wick. And um, there's a sequence in there where dogs are used in a fight sequence. But And he talked about dogs. the, ex- there are dogs, yes. And he talked about this extensive amount of training that goes into uh, pre-production before you can even get the dogs comfortable with the people who they're going to be in a scene with. Uh, and I w- would love for you to talk about that when when your entire production is structured around the dog and bringing other actors into it. You know, he he broke down for this three minute sequence. What was like a month of preparation? Is it is it similar to what you guys faced? Those are our Andrew Simpson uh, does all the the dog training and handling on those movies and his team. And those are our same. We, we watched that sequence and we went. Um, nobody else has done anything with Belgian mouths in the movies because they're really tough dogs to work with. Super high energy, much different than German Shepherds. And when we saw that sequence, we're like, all right, whoever did that, you know, hopefully they'd want to do our movie. So we got the same team. Oh, wow. And, you know, I think it, it was a little easier for us because, you know, Channing's such a dog person. He committed working. The first person we hired on this film was Andrew Simpson. Like that, we hired him probably a year before we went into production, maybe a little over that. Wow. Um, and we, yeah, we, we bought three dogs in, in Amsterdam from a uh, uh, basically like a breeder slash trainer who trains them for mil- the military, special operations, et cetera. And not all dogs make it. So certain dogs wash out. Mm. Uh, we bought three dogs that, that were going to wash out of that program. They're about a year and a half old. Oh, wow. um, nobody knew what their futures would be. And we started training them from a very young age. They worked with Channing for a year before we started wow. shooting, just getting comfortable wow. with them. And really the goal wasn't to do these stunt sequences like, mm-hmm. you know, John Wick. It was it was to just get super comfy with Chan to be able to feel good in a room together, to listen to each other, to understand kind of just like the the dynamics of 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 working with these very 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 high energy and kind of difficult dogs Mm -hmm. um and you know so look like when when you bring them on set it's it's always a thing it's always like you never know what you're going to get some days you have a plan and then it goes like completely out the window and other (laughs) days it goes the dog is doing everything on the first take better than any actor ever could you know it's (laughs) it's just kind of a kind of a mixed bag but um what i learned really really quickly was that the trainer and the handler is everything. Like if you get the right people, it's going to go great. If you get people that are kind of, you know, not, not great with the animals or whatever, it's, 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 it's not going to be an easy process. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. This episode of real blend is brought to you by Marvel strike force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Power up your favorite characters and build a team to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and even challenge other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Arena. New ways to battle with your roster are released regularly and the meta is constantly evolving. And now you can sign on for Marvel Strike Force's new Deadpool anniversary event in order to receive a generous gift containing character shards, an anniversary diamond orb, gear, and other great items. Better yet, each week during the Deadpool anniversary, players can complete events and receive even more special rewards and skins. 
If you want to get in on all the fun of Marvel Strike Force, be sure to use our promo code MAXPOOL, that's M-A-X-P-O-O-L, and thank you to Marvel Strike Force for supporting the show. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. You know, I, I absolutely love filmmaking, and I, I kind of wanted to ask you about some of the tricks you may have used in order to manipulate sequences. For example, if a dog is biting the car seats, um, or there's a moment where the dog literally bites a water bottle out of Channing's hand, um, which is insane. How are those shots achieved? Like, do you put something on the seat for him to rip it up? Like, do, And how do you do the water bottle shot? Because these are like very specific shots you have to tell a dog to do. Like, you, there's that line in the movie where the dog's like, you know, they, they say dogs don't know they're in war. They just think they're at work. They don't know they're in a movie either, Correct. which is cool, too. So yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Although they started to understand action and cut like they said, oh. it was really interesting. Like over the process, you'd be like, oh, they know exactly what's like. It's time to play. So you Davis. mentioned the two things that I thought were going to be the hardest. And they were like two things that people went in this like the AD would say, oh, we need half day for that. Like and uh and and what actually happened was the opposite. So like when she's attacking the seats because she's a Belgian Mal, you literally had to put her in the front seat and just go, you know, I think I forget what the command was, but it was like basically it's OK. And then she would just attack the seat like and it was, you know, take one, take two. And we were done. And the same thing with the water bottle. We were losing the light that day. We had other stuff to do. People were going, you're never going to get this. Don't try it, whatever. And like, ah, let's just try it once. I mean like first take he picks up the water bottle and boom she comes from out of frame and destroys it and we did i think so three good. of them perfect every time the tougher ones were like the acting ones you know the really one of them i'll never forget this like channing's doing his most intense kind of dramatic scene he's on the floor in a heap he's like you know it, it, every, it's, it's a closed set everybody's quiet like it's it's a big scene he's kind of going through this um effects of a traumatic brain injury and then Lulu is supposed to go and curl up with him. And it's seemingly mm. this really simple thing. And so he's on the ground and he's doing his thing. And then, and then she, she'll come over and then kind of like happily just start barking and licking his face or whatever. And then you'll, you'll stay in it. Cause we're like, stay in it. And then you'll hear the trainer going like, head down, head down. You know, she'll like go down and kind of look at him and then go up and start barking again. And it took like forever to get her to just like do this very simple thing. So that was the stuff that took all day, you know? Uh, I, this is a curious question. We've been asking a lot of the productions that are just now hitting theaters that might have been delayed for a little bit of time. But obviously you ran into um, COVID issues. COVID sort of uh, became a thing as you guys were in the midst of production or heading into production. And I'm just curious of different ways that maybe you had to pivot that you're super proud of uh, because you figured things. I, I know we've heard from so many productions that had to figure things out on the fly. Uh, what are some examples of things that you guys did that made you realize like, oh, we can actually get through this? Oh, man. Um I, I honestly, for us, it, it, I just feel like it's a lot of luck. And uh, we were the first film uh, to start shooting in L.A. County post the lockdowns. We got mm -hmm. our insurance the day before the lockdowns began and the insurance companies stopped 
bonding and ensuring independent films. I don't even know wow. if they, they've started again because we were an independent production. And so, uh, you know, it was, we had a couple shutdowns or not shutdowns. We had a couple, you know, times where, you know, there was a positive test and then, it, and then you had to stop for the rest of the week. And then you'd find out it's a false positive and like everybody go back and we'd sent the actors back to, you know, Florida or whatever. And then you have to like, you had shot out half a scene and then you'd have to come back three weeks later to shoot the rest of it at the end of the schedule. And that was really <laughs> weird because you'd have to go back into like, you had to just stop in the middle of a scene and go home. And then, and then you'd be like, okay, we're, we're picking up just where we left off three weeks ago. And is everything right in the room? Is continuity right? Are you guys all in the right mindset? That yeah, was, I yeah. think, really challenging, but it ended up working out great. And uh, based on the stories I've heard from other productions, which had a lot of, of challenges, like ours was, <laughs> I think, more of a breeze. Um, but we had a really tight schedule and, you know, a, a, a lot of hiccups. Everyone who worked in the film, I mean, Greg Jacobs, our producer, who's produced I mean, you know, everything for Steven Soderbergh, a handful of other incredible films that were really challenging. Che, which was like this insanely challenging oh, wow. dude, right? Yeah. And then, and then, you know, Thomas Siegel, like all, you, we had Larry Bennett, like our production designer, all these people would look at you and say, this was the toughest shoot of my career, you know? And wow. I think that's, that was, I, I'd get that at the end and they'd be like, dude, you don't understand, you know? Cause I'm going, oh, this is just first time directing. You know, they're like, no, 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 no. Like, it's not supposed to be this hard. I think Your the next one's going to be a breeze. <laughs> yeah, next no, it, I mean, it's like, if it wasn't hard enough, but I think the weirdest thing was like, you couldn't hang out. And that, and when you're with this crew of people and you try to, you know, get good working relationships, you need to like go and hang out after the day is done or mm. talk about the work in some way, shape or form on the weekends. And, that really couldn't happen except for these more clinical zooms. Mm -hmm. um, so that part creatively, I think was the biggest challenge. Mm, that's fascinating. You know, you know, read a lot of films. You, when you look at a movie, it's either usually soundtrack driven or score driven. Um, and obviously Thomas Newman is one of the most, one of the greatest composers of all time. And I, I wonder like in terms of, cause your, your soundtrack choices are very specific. I mean, you have moments where Channing is driving in a car uh, I was geeking out because I saw his little CD case, which I still have a couple of those in my in my uh, in my car as well. Um, but in terms of soundtrack choices versus score, they have to work together as one thing. So the environment feels similar that we're in the world together. So when you're working with Thomas Newman, does he know what songs you're going to be going to at some point so he can work his score into the vibe of it? Yeah, I mean, it's man, you guys ask such great questions. I mean, I. Um... Thomas was somebody that, uh, you know, like everybody who probably gets into this business, you heard his work at some point as you were watching movies and realized like, holy shit, that's possible, uh, you know, with, with, with score. And, and, and he was one of those people that we just kind of reached out, out to like um, Newton Thomas Siegel and, and said, if by any chance, you know, you want to deliver us a miracle and work with us, like, mm -hmm. you know, we'd, we'd be super honored. And he watched the film. He said, let me see the film. And then he watched it and said, you know, I'm in. And and right away, he wanted to get specific on, um, you know, what are the what are the choices of the needle drops that we have in the film? Mm, you know, kind yeah. of wanted to understand the patina of the of the you know music in the movie. And um, and so, yeah, his score really was tailored not to get in the way of it, not not mm. to sort of take over the film. And in many ways, like some of his other uh, more scored films, like the, the score really stands out. And I think he worked really hard to make this score work, but never kind of like 
announce that it's there too much. Mm. You know? mm. And uh, I love that because he, he really wanted those needle drops to stand out in the film because he loved them as much as we did. And he kind of helped. Do. Yeah. And he helped pick them out in many ways. I'd be like, what do you think this one or this one? He'd be like, ah, you gotta go. You know? So it, he was great in that way. Uh, Reed, what was the process on set on day and uh, the way that you and Channing collaborated in terms of who was going to direct Were there certain scenes you guys singled out as like, I want that one. <laughs> I mean, I think you go into it thinking that like we were, we would kind of, we wouldn't really do it that way. We'd sort of, we'd sort of just talk about the things that, you know, we wanted out of each scene and, and some scenes maybe were more at a conceptual level driven by something that Chan understood or more by something that I understood. Um, but really what happened on the day is, I mean, he was in every frame of the film. Yeah. And so, you know, he was just like, I don't want to come back and look at the monitors and get in my head. And, and, you know, we'd have a plan going into the day. And then, and then he would just sort of say, you know, unless I really feel the need to kind of come back there and, and talk about stuff with you, just, just kind of go with your instincts on stuff. Cause I want to stay in, in the character. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was actually a really fun way to work. And, and so we get these, we, we, we get to look at stuff um, on the weekends or whatever. And then he would have these perspectives on it that I couldn't see. Cause I was, I was kind of deep in the material and, and the day and the nuances of it. And he'd have a little bit more distance to go, Oh, I think we're missing something like this or whatever. And we did that same kind of thing in the cut. So he didn't want to be super close to, you know, every day watching himself and cutting his own performance. He's, he'd look at stuff on the weekends and we'd kind of do these, you know, deeper dives and then we, I'd go back into it. Um, but so everybody has like a different collaboration when they work with, you know, a, a, a directing partner. Um, and so, you know, our, ours also just kind of took on the natural form of our friendship. It's, you know, we've been buddies for like 15 years. So it just, we sort of found our own rhythm through it. It's awesome. You know, I'll end on this because the projects that you both have been able to work on together over the years. I mean, you've had Soderbergh attached, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, obviously brilliant filmmakers that have like worked on the work that you both have worked on together. And now you go off and now you're directing your own film together. Um, is there a specific instance that you witnessed on a film set that you were working on, not as the director, obviously, as the producer or as the actor for Channing that you could like zoom in on and go, all right, maybe we learned the most from this filmmaker. Did Soderbergh gave us the most or Phil Lord and Chris Miller gave us the most. And it's not knocking anybody else. Is, is there one that just kind of like hit you harder that made you that left a mark harder? That actually, definitely. Like, I mean, every single director we've worked with has had a huge mark um, and they're I'd say there there are a handful who we often call depending on the problem or the question you know that that we mm. have. But Steven Soderbergh was definitely I'd say had the largest influence on us because could you call him like mid shoot and ask a question? Not only did I call, I mean he <laughs> he sent me uh, the dude is so generous. He sent us a, a document before we started working uh, that he wrote up called How to Direct. <laughs> <laughs> and I read every word and, and, and I, and I gotta say, like, I mean, he did it for us when we were prepping Gambit and, uh, and, and obviously that movie didn't happen and he did it for us on this movie. He watched cuts. Uh, he, you know, had a deep influence on the, you know, the crew that we hired and the way in which we thought about going to work every day. Um, and I know he does this for a lot of people. He's done it for a lot of very successful directors and and people mm. that maybe aren't so successful. Her names, whose names, you know, we don't even know. And that's what I think is so cool about the guy. He just loves cinema and is constantly being generous with his time and, and his advice to people who want to make art. 
And and he and the cool thing about him is he has incredible taste, but he's so flexible in terms of understanding the intention of some what somebody wants to do. Where he'll go, oh, you want to make a dog movie, or oh, you want to make an action movie, or a rom com, or whatever. Even if it's not like his thing, he will dive into it and believe in whatever it is that you're trying to do. And so it's it's fun That's to have awesome. him around. Well, we need yeah, your Gambit okay. movie. We need that Gambit movie now. Please make that, man. Can't I can't tell you how cool that script is. You know, I wish I sort of wish people could 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 read it because it's just it's just punk rock. It's just different. I hope someday we get to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, they're giving us the wrap. Uh, It was weird when we started this show. Mr. Soderbergh sent us an email that said how to podcast. And it was all all written. We did have a more for no sudden move. He was great for that. Every word. Unsolicited. He just sent it to us. It's really strange. So we're running out of time. Reed, thank you so much for joining us. And congratulations on the film. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. We want to thank Reed Carolyn for taking time out of his busy day to speak about Dog. Uh, we're going to have a full episode of Real Blend coming out later this week. And we have a number of really exciting interviews uh, coming down the pipe, including an interview that we recorded with Joe Wright a long time ago uh, for his film Cyrano. And that is one of the movies that kept getting pushed back because of release date shuffles. But it's a great conversation with Joe Wright where we talk about uh, not just Cyrano and Peter Dinklage and his new film, but uh, a number of films that he worked on prior to this, including a, a fast a fascinating story that he gives to us about the uh, the unbroken shot and atonement that I cannot wait for you guys to hear. We're also going to have uh, on the show on Friday, Ruben Fleischer is joining us to talk about Uncharted and his filmography as well, too. So make sure you keep it right here uh, on Real Blend. If you're on the YouTube channel, make sure you hit subscribe and turn on your notifications and do us a favor. Uh, tell a friend about Real Blend. We want to continue to grow our audience out. And that is the best way for you guys to help us do that. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.